It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me slash growth. That's hbs.me slash growth. You are Locked On Celtics, your daily Celtics podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team Every day. I'm so hyped right now. Anything's possible. Oh my mama. Oh my mama made it, man. Anything's yeah. possible. Rainy days. Jump shot fade away. This the best Celtics podcast day to day. Especially when the season get hectic. I stay waiting on it like receiving a Nets pick. Nothing like the terrible analysts on the TV. So in depth you might even hear a story on Gigi. So in depth they might do an hour about the D-League. So in depth you probably should pay him but it's a freebie. Yeah, John Corrales and J. King. Locked on trying to get the 18th ring. So you can miss me with the blah blah. No more Geno time. We watching Jay do the Zaza. Hey there, and welcome back to the Locked On Celtics Podcast. Thank you for making us part of your daily routine. Whether it is your ride to work, your ride home from work, lunch hour, gym, that run, whenever you're doing whatever, maybe you're avoiding somebody and you want to put your headphones on and listen to us for about 45 minutes, that's great. We appreciate you downloading us Monday through Friday and making us part of your daily routine. We are your Celtics daily podcast. We are also the Rain and Jays, John Corrales, Jay King, here to kick off the week. It's a Martin Luther King day. It's a huge day for the NBA. Celtics taking on Charlotte later on in the evening, but it's a day full of NBA. It's just a great NBA day. And why not kick off, Jay, this great NBA day with some great NBA rivalry stuff, Isaiah Thomas, and uh, <laughs> just going off on Schroeder. Apparently, Look, that is no rivalry. That is that is a murder and a death. That is yeah. That is no rivalry there. Let's let's just dive right into this. Dennis Schroeder apparently feels like Isaiah Thomas said something about his mom. So Isaiah Thomas today kind of went at Schroeder hard. Kind of? Hard. <laughs> hard. Just, just as, as you said, ethered him. Just went off on him. So we on Red's Army shared your video. Why don't you saw it? You were there firsthand. <laughs> Isaiah Thomas crushed Dennis Schroeder. Why don't you just take it from there? Yeah, so backstory for anyone who who doesn't remember the whole Thomas Schroeder beef. So last year in the playoffs, they kind of had a physical matchup. And at one point, Thomas like kind of slapped Schroeder a little bit, almost got suspended. Schroeder came back, shoved him to the ground. So they've had this like, like long-time beef. And then before Friday's game, Schroeder said, we'll be fine as long as he doesn't slap me. <laughs> and of course, <laughs> Thomas didn't physically slap him, but... 
he slapped him with his basketball game, scored 13 points in the fourth quarter, obviously the game winner. He was barking at Schroeder the whole time. Like the third quarter, he just killed the Hawks, and the Celtics ran their lead up to 20. And Thomas, like you could tell, he did not have any love for Schroeder whatsoever. Apparently he was he was yelling at the crowd, Schroeder ain't nothing. He makes all this money, and he ain't doing nothing. <laughs> and then so Schroeder <laughs> after the game said that Thomas said something about his mother. And, <laughs> and Thomas, so Thomas was, he was stuck in a one-on-one interview today before practice. And he finally came over to the group media session. And the PR guy was like, all right, we only have time for three questions. They've got to go to film. And the first question was about like, God knows what. The second question was about like, how Jalen Brown is developing. And then the third question was finally about the last question was about Schroeder and Thomas like sharpened a knife. Like, <laughs> in Schroeder's neck, like slashed it, just, just left blood everywhere. Just, just tortured him said, you know, it was a hundred percent lie. So he called him a liar. He yep. said, he's not on my level. I'll never speak about him again. <laughs> That's my favorite part. That's my favorite part. He's like, not, okay, forget the fact that he calls him a liar. The fact that he's like, you know what? I'm not even going to talk about this guy because he's not even on my level. He's not where I'm trying to be. I'm going to talk about, basically, he's like, I'm going to talk about people who matter. And you don't matter. So, if Westbrook or Harden want to come at me, that's fine. But, Schroeder, you're you're not at my level. So, hey, dismissive wave. I love that because it's normally like, like who's that? Who's that guy? You know, like, like that's what the guys give. Like yeah. that's the cliche. Like I don't want to talk about this guy, but Thomas was just like, this guy can't play with me on the court. He's a liar. He's a, he's a filthy scumbag, and I'm not talking about him anymore. So this is it. And, so great, yeah. so great. And Yo, Isaiah Schroeder, yeah. thoughts and prayers. R.I.P. Atlanta Hawks with what Isaiah did to them in the fourth quarter. But yeah, Isaiah is just on another level and talking trash. I don't think he really do. Does anybody really think that he talked about shooters mom? I feel like there's something lost in translation translation here. Yeah. I mean, it's a weird thing to say that somebody talked about your mom. If he didn't, and but by the way, Thomas reacted. He probably did not talk about Schroeder's mom. And, and anyway, th- this is my takeaway from it is Isaiah Thomas is not a guy you want to piss off right now. Like, no. If you're playing against Isaiah Thomas, don't don't talk. Don't bring up the slapping incident from last year. Like just praise him. Say he's been playing great. That is not a guy you want to motivate. Like just just let him let him do what he does. Like stay out of his way. Do not enrage that little man because he will cut your heart out and he will spit on it and he will stomp on it and then he will eat it for breakfast, lunch, and this dinner. Is like, this is like when me, you, like a little background, a little behind the scenes, me, you, and Scal, when the Celtics were in New York, we were talking a little bit about All-Star and we were kind of having a debate about who would, who would get left off. And my argument was, who do you want to piss off? Are you going to leave off? Uh, let's assume that the fan vote and whatever 
puts like Kyrie and Kyle Lowry in. And the coaches are trying to figure out who, which guard is going to come in and, and fill out the bench. Who would you rather piss off? Are you going to piss off as a coach voting for the, for the All-Stars? Are you going to piss off Isaiah Thomas by somehow leaving him off? Or are you going to piss off like John Wall? Like, who cares if you piss off John Wall? Wall and the Wizards, like, Wall is great, but the Wizards, they're just not whatever. Like, whatever. They, they're insignificant. You want to piss off Isaiah Thomas? Go ahead at your own risk. Because he, if he feels any sort of perceived slight against the entire Eastern Conference coaches, like, are you kidding me? They The best strategy as an opposing coach for Isaiah Thomas is to gas him up, call him the greatest thing since sliced bread, and, and give him no opportunity to take some sort of perceived slight from what you're saying because he is a master at turning some perceived slight into motivation to just smoke you. So I, as an Eastern conference coach, I'd be like, Isaiah is the greatest thing ever. He is, he's like an MVP candidate. He's absolutely on the Eastern conference team. Don't drop 20 points in the fourth quarter on me. Please. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Please. Please, Sir Thomas. <laughs> he just—it's it, do, unbelievable. Don't do wrong to me. It's, and I—I I, I didn't think we would be here at this point. Like, but he is—he's not an MVP candidate per se because Russell Westbrook is averaging a triple double at the moment, and James Harden is averaging. Uh, he's well. He doesn't have the rebounds, but he's still averaging a double double, and he's having this 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 awesome season. But if the MVP voting was happening right now, Thomas would probably have most of the third place votes, which is way I don't know about that. No, let's let's on. calm down on that one a little bit. No, 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 no. Let's not calm down about that. No, let, let's definitely calm down on that one. Kawhi Leonard, Kevin Durant. LeBron James, like Isaiah Thomas has been spectacular, but no, 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 no. No, he's, hold on. He's not hold on. No, we're, no we're fighting now. We're fighting now. We're in a fight because LeBron James, yeah, whatever. LeBron James is LeBron James. Kawhi, that's fine. All of these guys are fine. But in the MVP voting, which is, you know how it goes from year to year. There's a standout guy, and these these consistent guys kind of get left behind a little bit. So LeBron, okay, yeah, of course, MVP, but when you look at the Cavs, they're stacked. You can say Kevin Durant, yeah, MVP, but with with Curry and with Klay Thompson and Draymond Green, that's that's a stacked team. You pull Durant off that team, there's still a a really good team. Um, who else did you mention? Kawhi. Kawhi, San Antonio, awesome. I love San Antonio. I love Kawhi. But they're, they're so consistent that that takes votes away. Isaiah Thomas is so good right now on a team that if you pull him off of the Celtics, where are the Boston Celtics right now? 
where are the Spurs without Kawhi, man? Where are the Cavs without LeBron? Like, like that question only goes so far. But the Cavs without LeBron, yes, big drop off. But still, a top four team in the in the East. Where are the Spurs without Kawhi? Okay, not the second best team, but a playoff team. You pull Durant off of the Warriors, they're still the Warriors. You pull Isaiah Thomas off of the Celtics, they're fighting for the tops. If you pull Isaiah Thomas off of the Celtics right now, they become uh, the second leading candidate for the the top seat, the the top draft pick. So come they, on, man! Come on! <laughs> come on! You don't believe that? They okay? I don't believe that. Uh, they're, but they're they're like above Miami. They're like the fourth worst team in the in the East. <laughs> I I I I disagree with this one. Isaiah's had a fantastic season, but no, I think they're no. better two way players. Offensively, sure, put him put him wherever you want. He's been unbelievable offensively. They're, Kawhi Kawhi just does too much. He's too versatile. He does too much defensively. Same with LeBron. Same with same with a number of other guys. I, I, look, Isaiah Thomas, he's in my top 10 of MVP vote right now. But number three is is too high. Even I, though nope. that's where he put himself. Not too high. Not too high. Not in my not in my mind. I think I think he is right now the third most valuable player in the NBA. Say say what you want. You can be silent, whatever. But right now, in my mind, he's the third most valuable player in the NBA. Take him off the Celtics, and the Celtics are trash. You have, you know, you have. It just pulls so many things out of whack. You can obviously Kawhi Leonard. I love Kawhi. I love what he does with the Spurs. We can argue about that. Maybe I can concede that maybe uh, Isaiah's fourth, but. He is still in that 3-4 mix. I, I just think Isaiah Thomas at this point has raised his game so much. He is the fourth leading scorer in the NBA. He's number one in fourth quarter scoring. The Celtics are the third best team in the East. It's directly related. He is in that MVP mix. He's not going to get the MVP, obviously. It's between, at this point, Westbrook and Harden, but... He's in that next mix with those guys, and I think he's at the top of the list with those other guys. Do you know what the Celtics are outscoring teams with Isaiah Thomas on the bench? No. 3.6 points per 100 possessions. Okay. Do you know what they're outscoring teams with him on the court? No. 2.1 points per 100 oh, possessions. So, okay, so Jay King, are you arguing Are you arguing that the Celtics are better no. with Isaiah Thomas? No, I'm just saying. All right. They're not so why are you giving me that statistic? Are I'm you telling me right now that the that the Celtics are better without Isaiah Thomas? No. No. All but, right. But the, the But you just gave me a statistic. You just gave me a statistic that said, "Oh, they're better outscoring more teams without Isaiah Thomas." There I are, think there are the Celtic- a lot of variables that go into all those on-court, off-court stats. I'm just saying they wouldn't be fighting for a lottery pick 
a top lottery pick without the Celtics without Isaiah Thomas are not a playoff team, not a playoff team done. I don't believe that at all. I don't think they're a playoff team without Isaiah Thomas. Yeah. And you might be right. (laughs) I'm not necessarily arguing, which means they're fighting for a lottery pick. Nah, if you're not in the I mean, playoff, you're in the lottery. They'd be they'd be down with the Nets and the Sixers. Come on, man. I think without Isaiah Thomas, okay, they're not the Nets or the Sixers, but they're like in that they're they're barely better than the Heat without Isaiah Thomas. Long term without Isaiah Thomas, you can say whatever you want. With Isaiah Thomas, you can say whatever you want about, you know, that takes into account injuries. That takes into account November with all of the crap that they've done. That takes into account the the IT and D lineups that got outscored by a, a million points. So I don't think that those statistics are really indicative of the impact. I just, I, I stand by it. Isaiah Thomas is he raises this team to a level that is incomprehensible. He's just that good. And without Isaiah Thomas, over a long term, over if he went out, God forbid, if he went out in the next game and suffered a season-ending injury, then it would just be off the cliff. Just the Celtics would be off the cliff, and they would fall out of contention. They would fall out of the playoffs. They would be a lottery team. Fight me. <laughs> Fight me on this. <laughs> uh, we, we, I, we could just go in circles here. I, I think they, they have a deep roster. Uh, obviously, the, he's their one creator. He's their one scorer. He's, he's the guy. And, and Al Horford is an all-star, four-time all-star. He doesn't do the creation that you need. Al, Isaiah Thomas, in, in a, lot of, a lot of times, he is their offense. And, I mean, he is an offense unto himself. He creates things for himself. He gets he got Kelly Olynyk had 26 points because the Atlanta Hawks were hell bent on stopping Isaiah Thomas and left a really good shooter wide open time after time. Right. So I, Isaiah Thomas, he's a fantastic offensive player. I, I just don't think I just don't have him in my top three, and that's that's my only my only issue okay. with your claims is the top three and then the 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 end of the lottery or the top of the lottery stuff. I don't agree with that. We both agree Isaiah Thomas has been spectacular this season, and he's been an absolute killer, and he has saved the Celtics on a lot of occasions in some games where they haven't been great. And, and this, right. this is a team that really hasn't blown anybody out. They've, they've needed a lot of his late fourth quarter buckets, and he keeps doing it time after time after time. What did you think about him waving off first the timeout and then the pick-and-roll and then just going ISO on Kent Bazemore and destroying the Hawks. It's one of those things where it worked, so it was great. If it didn't work, I would have had a problem with it. So, But you saw after the basket went in, he waved it off. Crowder waved it off. It wasn't uh, a universe. Like, everybody was just like, let's, let's just do this. And I saw... Brad kind of waved Crowder over, and he was like, nah, nah, get out of here. It was, what I loved about it was, Isaiah Thomas saw Bazemore wanted to stop him. And I think he saw 
and I'm guessing, this is just a guess, he saw a guy that really aggressively wanted to stop him, and he used that aggressiveness against, against him. Because Isaiah in those situations, the shot that he took, he never really takes. How many times does he take that shot in a game? That <laughs> drop, that step back, fadeaway shot? He doesn't take Not that a lot. Up. No. Why did he take that shot? Because he saw Kent Bazemore, again, just a guess. He saw Kent Bazemore and he said it specifically. He smacked the floor. He saw Bazemore say, I'm getting a stop. I'm a bigger guy. I'm getting this stop. So he made a move like he was going to go try to get to the basket. And Bazemore was like, I'm going to stop him at the rim. And he made a move that he rarely makes. He stopped, stepped back, fadeaway jumper. Bazemore's complete momentum was the other way. No chance to block that shot. And he drilled it. So to me, that says, I recognize the situation. I recognize a a defender in front of me who's so aggressive, who so understands that I want to get to the rim in a situation like this. I'm going to use that aggressiveness against him. And he set him up. He set him up for that exact move. And that is amazing. That shows amazing awareness, awareness of the defender, awareness of his own game. And so to... Finish the Hawks with that particular shot, to me, was awesome. I think that is a calculated killer move that says, I recognize my own stuff. I recognize what they're trying to do. I'm going to use it all against you, and I'm going to kill you with it. So that, to me, just... And for future games, that just lets defenders know, like, oh, shit, I have to defend against this now? Because I thought I only had to defend against a three or the attack to the basket. I didn't have to defend against a mid-range game. And now IT just dropped this mid-range game winner. Well, shit, now what do I do? So to me, that was especially awesome. That was an especially great way to finish that game. I'm going to throw out two sides. And I'm not even sure which side I, (laughs) I side with here. Okay, side number one. He saw Bazemore slap the ground. He decided, I am going to not only beat his team, but I am going to beat him because he made the mistake of showing me up. And he wasn't (laughs) trying to show me up, but I took it like that because I am a competitive maniac. And then Thomas went and scored. And, like, okay, he's a killer. He is an absolute killer, just like he said, just like everyone else said. He is, like... That's the mentality you want your go-to scorer to have, I think. That that type of, of okay, I'm going to rise to this challenge. I'm going to overcome this challenge. I'm going to, to make this shot because he, he did the stupid thing <laughs> that didn't mean anything. I take this as a slight, and I am going to wreck him. The other side of this is Isaiah Thomas waved off a pick and roll when the Hawks were switching everything. And he could have gotten Mike Dunleavy on him, like, like he ended up he ended up making the tough fadeaway 
stupid shot in Bazemore's face, but he could have just made easy, easy work of Mike Dunleavy instead. And maybe if he goes around the pick and roll, the, the Hawks trap him. But, uh, you know, you have a ton of a lot of shooters around you. The Celtics almost definitely would have gotten an easier shot if if they had run a pick and roll instead. <laughs> like That was a really, really tough off the dribble shot. So I mean, it goes both ways. Like, like yes, you want you want a a player who is so damn competitive and so damn confident that that he he sees a guy slap the floor and thinks I am going to stomp on this guy. And but also you you want a guy to to re- realize in the moment like, okay, I I can't be too competitive right now. I cannot be too macho. Let's let's make the right play instead. And I think I think in that on that play, Isaiah kind of got outside of making the right play and did something a little stupid and it worked <laughs> out and it was great and it was awesome. But next time maybe just destroy Mike Dunleavy instead. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Fair enough. It worked. So that's okay. Um I'm going to go with my assessment over yours because it worked. But it was nice that that he, that he did that. But I agree. No, I totally agree with you, though. He, you could have gotten that switch on Dunleavy and maybe gotten something else. But in the end, it worked. And here's the thing. When it comes to great players – doing things to win games. They all do things that you shouldn't do, but work out anyway. Like when Westbrook beat the Celtics, how many of those shots were terrible shots, but he took those and they worked. So how many times has he shot the thunder out of game? Too many, (laughs) too many. Well, sure. But I guess, I mean, how many times has Isaiah Thomas shot the Celtics out of games? Not many this year, I'll tell you. That. Not many. The Toronto game the other night was really and and that wasn't even that's not even the the greatest example. So, it worked. It it works out. It's fine. I agree with you. The, the maybe the better basketball play is to do what you say, but Isaiah Thomas I think he set up Bazemore nicely, and he knew he could get the shot that he hit. So um, let's just move forward. I want to go to Twitter. Merlin Colo. Feeling the love. I love how Boston sports teams are supporting each other. It's a retweet of you, J. King. Isaiah Thomas and LeGarrette Blount just... That love fest continues. That was fun. That was fun to see. IT went to the game. Uh, Brad Stevens went to the game. Uh, so a lot of Celtics. I love how like there's a lot of Celtics at Patriots games, Patriots at Celtics games, Bruins at Celtics games. Everybody's at Red Sox games. I, like it's the this atmosphere here in Boston is just awesome between between these two teams and the blunt. And Thomas' bromance is just amazing to watch. 
Yeah, it's been fun. Like, Garrett Blunt, like, he goes to preseason games. He goes to, like, whatever games he can get. It doesn't matter. Like, they think he was at the game against the Heat. Like, he just goes to whatever Celtics games he can get to. And then Isaiah Thomas just kind of shows up in the playoffs. But <laughs> but it's, it's a fun bromance. That is a they, – they, those guys really seem to like each other and appreciate each other. And then Tom Brady sent – Isaiah Thomas uh, signed jersey and Bray- and uh, Thomas was wearing it at the game. So that was nice fun stuff between the Celtics and Patriots. Yeah, good stuff. Um, okay, moving on. Kelly Olynyk, who was the subject of today's morning dump or yesterday when you're listening to this morning dump on RedsArmy.com, Olynyk has had a very nice January for the Boston Celtics, but for Olynyk, it's been a checkered uh, injury history. And today, he was at practice. Explain this to me, Jay. You were there. You saw this. Yeah. There, so. there was some some kid got in his what – what happened? So he and Jalen Brown were doing a shooting drill before practice, and they were – on the court, and there were there were the Celtics often have kids around, like coaches' sons, players' sons. Uh, there there are often a lot of young kids around on the court, and they'll just play by themselves, usually on the side, or just watch, or it, just hang out. And in this case, Kelly was backing up, and then he started to go into, he started to run toward the three point arc to take a shot. And one of the kids ran out onto the court. I don't know why. I, I, I just saw him out of the corner of my eye come over. And Kelly stepped on the kid's, it looked like the kid's foot, fell to the ground and took a little while to get up. Like he was slow getting to his feet. He, he walked straight to the trainer's room. You could hear him saying, fuck, fuck, fuck. Like, I can't believe this crap just happened. You got to be kidding me right now. Uh, so just one of the most bizarre injuries. And I'm not sure anyone except Kelly Olynyk could have done that. Like Kelly Olynyk probably leads the NBA in amount of times fallen this season. <laughs> and, and I, I mean, it was just bad luck. Nobody could have avoided it. It was just, he stepped on the kid's foot, but just, just brutal, brutal luck. I, I've never seen anything like it. Like, just stepped on a kid and actually when he went down one of the reporters was like like take the hit kelly like just kidding and it looked it looked like no big deal and then it, he actually was hurt he missed practice so t- <laughs> tough injury tough so tough annoying so annoying it, it didn't look too bad i would be surprised if it's like a bad sprain but the fact that he missed practice, I mean, that's tough. And and he was he was swearing on his way off the court. He walked straight off the court. Didn't didn't say a word to any of the players or anything that that was or the coaches that were running the drill. He just walked off and got it checked out. So <laughs> tough injury, man. So annoying. Because he, he has been having a pretty good January. Um, I think that Alinek has been instrumental in the Celtic success. When you look at the Atlanta game, he um, he checked in and immediately hit a bunch of a bunch of threes in the first quarter and helped them build a lead. They were they they were really focused a lot on Isaiah Thomas 
and he got a lot of that overflow, uh, you know, swing the ball around and, and got some open shots. And he's been aggressive in taking those shots. So it's nice to see him doing that. I'd, I'd hate for him to have some sort of injury that causes him to miss a, a couple of games. I think he's really important to the Celtics' success. So hopefully Kelly Olenek gets healthy soon. Speaking of that Atlanta game, let's get into Al Horford returning to Atlanta and getting booed. Which, just, look, I, I don't care if, if you want to boo him because he left and he didn't just leave. He left to the team that the Hawks beat in the playoffs. So I don't care if you boo him. I don't care if you cheer him because he gave the organization nine great years. He was one of the best players in Hawks franchise history. He made four all-star teams. The organization had gone years and years and years without making the playoffs before he got there. He made the playoffs all nine years. So I, I don't care. Honestly, I don't care whether you boo him or cheer him. To me, it's just a piss-poor showing by Hawks fans. To ha- half of, like, a lot of them weren't even there on time. The The reaction was, was like, very little enthusiasm either way. It was it was just an embarrassment, I thought, for Atlanta fans. Just like this is a guy who literally one of the one of the best players in Hawks franchise history. If if one of the best players in Celtics franchise history had left in free agency and come back, that place would have been packed. Everyone would have been nuts one way or the other, booze, cheers, whatever it was. Everyone would have been excited in Atlanta. It was just just a sad, sad showing of fans. It, yeah, it was it was really, really bad. At tip off, there was like tons and tons of empty seats, and I had I had people tweeting me from Atlanta that it's the traffic. It was an eight o'clock game. You know what the traffic is. Leave thirty minutes earlier. Like you you know what the traffic is. <laughs> don't be don't yep. be fools. It's not the traffic. It's it's. It's the fans. I I agree. And Atlanta has always been a late arriving crowd. And yeah, you can say it's you can say it's the traffic, except when the playoffs come around, they find their way there somehow. So and, and, and hey, hey, if, if you're worried about traffic, there's this thing called called Google Maps. Download it on your iPhone. And it it'll it'll tell you it'll calculate how how long it's going to be your trip with the traffic. It, it's a crazy thing these days. Yeah, the, a lot of apps, the Waze app, <laughs> it, they all let you know how long it's going to take. So, um, I agree. I think now I I accept that Horford left on his own, so there's some animosity when it comes to that. Okay, fine, but. He has had a a long time in Atlanta, and there is an opportunity for uh, the Hawks to create a, a winner around him. They didn't. They didn't. They created a team that got swept by the Cavaliers, so... Okay, he left. He decided that the front office that had one guy suspended for racial comments in Danny Ferry, and then another 
front off another GM who could have gotten disciplined disciplined for racial comments. Like, look at look at what's happening around the team. It's it's not exactly the greatest situation. So there, I don't blame a guy for leaving. I don't blame them for leaving. Um, they had a graphic during the game that of the five guys who were on the team at their uh, at their peak, one guy remains, and it's Millsap. And they were shopping Millsap. So how do you blame Al Horford for for leaving that situation? I don't. Of course, the Celtics are the beneficiary, but why not just appreciate what he gave you and, you know, not boo him when he comes back? I think that was I think that was low class. And, and look, the the Hawks didn't want to give him the full max. The Hawks had already traded away right. Jeff Teague by the time free agency started. They had already like they, they looked into trading Horford before his contract went up. They were they had already signed Dwight Howard. Dwight Howard, Paul Millsap, and Al Horford don't all fit together. They probably would have had to trade Millsap if if Horford had re-signed. So it's like the team that he played with wasn't all there. They have since traded Kyle Korver, who was another big part of that 60-win team from a couple of years ago. So it, it wasn't like like there should have been any sense of loyalty from him. They they weren't going to pay him. They had traded one of his buddies. They they were about to trade another. They looked into trading him. It. It's it's not a situation where really he should have been loyal. He should have been looking for the best situation for him. And it's hard to argue that the Celtics, who are a better team right now, with better draft picks coming and with more cap flexibility in this summer, like it's it's very hard to argue that he made a poor choice. No, I agree. I totally agree. The the Hawks have clearly been moving on. And you know what? The Hawks should be moving on. The Hawks should be blowing it up because they have been, to me, they have been the epitome of mediocrity. They're a team that should have been trying to trade guys for assets. They let Al Horford go for nothing. They should have been trying to trade Al Horford. They should be trying to trade Millsap. They should have chopped Al, uh, I mean, should have uh, chopped uh, Kyle Corver. Kyle Corver. So why not? Just understand your situation. Say, we're in the middle of the pack. The middle of the pack is the worst place to be. So, yeah, I I, I think Al, uh, Al Horford made the right decision. But the Hawks, if they were smart, would have avoided this situation by trading, trading him in the first place. So, there should be no animosity. I think Al Horford looked at this situation and said... There's no reason for me to stay here. And we want guys, we want athletes to want to win. And there's uh, undue animosity against guys who do the things that we would do ourselves. If you're at a, a company that is failing and you don't think that they're going to to do well and you have an opportunity to join a company that is going to do well and you feel like these guys are in the upswing 
they're going to pay me more than these guys that I'm currently with are paying. So why would I stay at, at that company when I'm going to get more money here? I feel like I can do better here and we could do better things at the new place. Why, why wouldn't I do that? But for some reason, because it's sports, we, we hold it against guys. It's, I think Al Horford made a, a good decision. So uh, I think the boos were, were very much unwarranted. And I think most people in Atlanta would have done the same thing that Al Horford did if they were in that same situation. Agreed. Uh, uh, before we end this podcast, I just want to shout out. <laughs> so I, I, I met, met one of our listeners at the bar the other, yes! the other night named Christian. Just want to shout him out. Uh, he, he came up and said, said, what's up to me. So shout out to Christian. Uh, anybody else, anybody else who wants to come up to me at a bar, I bought Christian a drink. So anyone else, any listeners come up to me at a bar and say, hello, I'll get you a drink too. That, that's my promise to the people. That's right. Basically, if you love Jay King at the bar, you get free booze. So <laughs> <laughs> do that. Um, that's really cool. I think it's really cool to walk around the garden or go out somewhere just to be out and have somebody come up to you and say, Hey, I, I love what you guys do. I listen to what you guys do. I think that's really, really cool. So, um, I think, uh, that, that, that's just just pat ourselves on the back a little bit. No, it makes it worth it. It makes it worth it. It makes it worth it. It makes it worth it because we we're out here, you know. It's a Sunday night, whatever. Uh, we're we're just you're in your room, I'm in my bedroom, <laughs> recording a show about the Celtics. We're just talking. The fact that people want to listen is amazing. So I really uh, I'm amazed by these types of stories. I love that when I put out a call for people to come join me for a podcast when I was at the, at the garden on the Christmas that somebody did. So that's, that's awesome. That's awesome. I love it. So thank you. I thank everybody for listening. I thank everybody for downloading the podcast on a daily basis for listening to us. Uh, you should listen to the rest of the locked on Celtics, uh, locked on NBA, uh, network. So do that. Download us. Uh, rate us five stars, do all that stuff. And uh, yeah. And Isaiah Thomas is the third best player in the NBA. So. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So that's the show. Thanks for listening. Celtics take on the Hornets on Martin Luther King day, part of a very long NBA slate of games. We hope that you have the day off. I hope you enjoy all of the games, and most importantly, I hope you uh, take advantage of the day and understand what the day is, and 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 I hope that you all kind of revel in what Martin Luther King was preaching and understand what he was preaching, and, and just hope that we all love each other, because I think that's the ultimate message, that we're all here together. Uh, we're all here together in basketball. We're all we're all here together in life, and that we can all just kind of enjoy everything that, uh, like, 
the Celtics and just enjoy everything together. So that's the show. Thanks for listening. Thanks for downloading. Uh, this is the Locked On Celtics podcast. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Rejecting the screen has been retweeted by Kobe, Dame Lillard, and Vince Carter. So it's fair to say you should give it a shot. I'm Noah Kozlov. And I'm Adam Stanko. Rejecting the screen hits your feed every Tuesday and Thursday. On Tuesday, we talk hoops and a little bit of life. On Thursday, we go ISO with a guest. Stories from anyone and everyone who has touched the NBA with tales we promise you've never heard before. Find Rejecting the Screen right now wherever you get podcasts and hit that subscribe button.